0: I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. How's it going, people? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition of the show, we are reacting to Arsenal's North London Derby victory. The Gunners move eight points clear at the top of the Premier League. They've taken 32 points from 36 available, from the last 36 available. Who saw that coming at the start of the season? I mean, we are in dreamland at the moment. And to go to Spurs, a place where we've got an abysmal record over the last decade, we barely even scored a goal there in the last 10 or so years, and to win so convincingly, so handsomely, and having played so well for large periods of the game is something that we should be relishing, something that we should be enjoying, something that we should be buzzing about, something that we should be singing from the hilltops about, and I'm delighted. I mean, yeah, uh, amazing, Uh, amazing stuff. Um, I'm just so happy. I'm honestly, uh, the word in the chat uh, from Rob is ecstatic. That's exactly how I feel ecstatic. And as Junior Gunner says, honestly, Mudrick who? Exactly my man. Uh, a big hello to everybody in the live chat. Hope you're good. I'm enjoying a nice glass of red uh, tonight. I thought about a bit of white. It is a bit late and you don't want to wake up with a headache on a Monday morning, but I, f- I thought North London's red. So why not go for the red? Uh, so cheers to everybody in the live chat. Hope you're all good. Hope you are all well. You have to excuse me if I'm uh, taking a sip from time to time, but it's been a a long day. It's been a busy day. It's been a good day, obviously, uh, given the result. And um, and we're going to be dissecting that match, that performance. We'll be talking about what it means. We'll be talking about some of the individuals, uh, the overall game plan. We'll be talking about how Arsenal went there and showed so much balls, basically, to go and play away from home at Spurs the way they did. And we got our reward. We got what we deserved. And that's all three points. And we got to extend that lead at the top of the table to eight points over Manchester City, who of course were beaten at Old Trafford yesterday. Cheers, everybody. Let's say a few hellos in the live chat. Plenty of you with us. Um, if I if I miss you, I'm sorry, but there's loads of you in the chat right now, so there's a good chance that I will. Um, big hello to Harvey, Trevor, Machiavelli, Kyle, Paritosh, Nav, Klokken, Seb, Amira. Uh, Mark is with us as well. Uh, Paul, Tom, uh, Wes Bird, Jamie, Kuhn, uh, Craig over in Fort Lauderdale says, Harry, what an effing win. London is red. Eight points clear. Check out your Instagram. I sent you a pic of our turnout today. I will check that out in just a minute, mate. I promise um, I will check that out at some point and uh, and I'll get back to you on that one. My social media is popping off at the moment, which is amazing because I posted a picture on my Instagram story of Aaron Ramsdale celebrating. And then you get all the bit of Spurs fans going, oh, he's a mug, he's this, he's that, because he did what he did at the end of the game. Big bloody deal. Uh, And you got all the Arsenal fans replying love hearts to it. But um, my day was fantastic. Um, I started my day off at Emirates Stadium today. I was very kindly invited uh, by Lavazza, the coffee company, uh, who obviously sponsor Arsenal, and and my good friend, uh, broadcaster Shabana Hearn, uh, down to the Emirates Stadium today to watch the Arsenal women take on Chelsea women um, at midday. I uh, got to h- enjoy the whole box experience, which is which is quite cool. Um, and, and because it's a women's match and I'm not as invested, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I am. I, I take an interest in it, but, you know, I'm not as invested. You can sit in a box and you can enjoy it without wanting to go absolutely bonkers or to shout expletives uh, from the stands. So um, yeah, that was nice. It was a good experience. So thank you uh, to them for it, really good performance from the Arsenal women today as well. Um, they were unlucky, I think, not to not to take all three points. But then it was the big one. Then it was the North London derby, and an opportunity for Arsenal to capitalise on United's victory over Manchester City yesterday. You know, I've always said that if we are going to challenge for the Premier League this season, if we are going to go the distance, if we are going to be in this right until the end, we need a bit of luck. We really, really do. And we got a bit of luck yesterday. We got a bit of luck in Manchester United beating City the way they did. I thought the Rashford goal, the the Fernandez goal, but the Rashford incident, I thought that was robbery. Uh, I've said to people today, friends of mine, family members, I've said, you know, uh, that, you know, if that was me, if that was given against us, I'd be livid. If I were Pep Guardiola, I'd have been fuming because Rashford certainly interferes with the play there. He certainly interferes with the outcome of that move. But City dropped the points and you're looking at it and you're going, well, is this a bit of a free hit for Arsenal now? You know, you think about the record we've got at White Hart Lane, how bad we've been there over the years. You know, there's a good chance we might get beat. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, if we do get beat, it isn't the end of the world because of what's happened there, because of the fact that that gives us a little bit of leeway. You know, we lose at Spurs and and all of a sudden, um, you know, things aren't that bad because we we have the same points cushion over Manchester City that we did going into the weekend. And then along comes, um, you know, along comes the, the Mudrick news last night, which I think upset a lot of Arsenal fans. I think it put a lot of Arsenal fans in a bad space mentally going into this game. It put people in a headspace where they were sitting there thinking, well, you know, we could lose tomorrow and then we could get beaten by United the week after and we haven't strengthened the squad in the way we want to. And all of a sudden, everything could unravel. But what better way to to reassure everybody than by going to Spurs and not just winning at Spurs, but by performing the way we did, being as dominant as we were, especially in that first period. I spoke to you guys in the preview show that I did with Mike Stavrou earlier in the week, and I kept saying that for me, it's so important that we start the game well. It's so important that we needed to impose ourselves um, and it was important that we capitalised on the low self-esteem that Spurs currently have. You know, last season I was at I was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I, I wasn't fortunate enough to be there today. I couldn't get my hands on a ticket. Um, I wasn't working, which was a little bit disappointing because I didn't get the opportunity to be there in that capacity either. But, you know, when I was there last season and one of the things that really struck me about that game and one of the things I thought really contributed to our crumbling, if you like, was, the atmosphere inside the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But things aren't going well for Spurs at the moment. You look at that team, it's very uninspiring. You look at, you know, Antonio Conte, the way he sets them up, the noises he's been making, and it's all negative. You know, there's no positivity around that football club at the moment. And so for me, it was imperative that Arsenal went there today and started strong. Why? Because, as I say, it capitalises on that low self-esteem that they as players have at this moment in time, but also the fear that the fans had. And you could feel it, even watching it through the television. There was an anxiety, there was a nervousness inside the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And the only way you could compound that further was by going there and being dominant. And that's exactly what Arsenal did from the off. Took us 15 minutes to break the deadlock, but we were brilliant in the early stages of the game. I listened to Eric Dyer's interview on Sky and he says, oh, it wasn't as one-sided as, um, you know, it wasn't as one-sided as, as you know, maybe people suggest uh, it was in the first half. What are you talking about, Eric? You were awful. Your team was awful. Uh, you play with a back five and you concede goals. You play with two defensive midfielders and you still ship goals left, right and centre. We won't sit here talking about Spurs, but they've got serious problems. They are moving backwards under Antonio Conte. They've got some bang average players in there. And, and that's why I felt it was so important for Arsenal to go there and start well and almost you know, as I keep saying, almost capitalise on that weakness that they clearly have. Because if you can kill the atmosphere at a place like that, that's half the battle. Then you've got to perform. Then you've got to deliver. You've got to stay composed. And I think one of the most important things today was that, and Mikel Arteta talked about this in the build-up to the game, I think one of the most important things was Arsenal's emotional control. That's what Arsenal showed me today. That's what Arsenal showed people. You know, we've had a couple of FA charges in quick succession. People have been talking about Arsenal and the way that they crowd around referees and the way that Mikel Arteta conducts himself on the touchline. I've said it to you guys before, way too much was made out of that um, in terms of the reporting of it all. But that was kind of the narrative going into this game. You know, it was a place where Arsenal had been beaten last season. Obviously, it was a very different team that day, but it was a place where Arsenal were humbled. It was a place where we suffered. And would they be able to, Keep their emotions in check. And when I say emotions, I'm not just talking about protesting against decisions. I'm not just talking about crowding around referees. I'm talking about your decision making in general. You know, you have to be quite serene when you play uh, away from home against sides like Spurs, who are your rivals. You have to be quite measured. You have to be quite composed and quite calm. And I thought what we had today was the perfect balance between the aggression that we needed to show but also the calmness and the composure in certain situations. And that allowed us to play our game to the best of our ability, especially in that first period, as I keep saying, where I thought we were really, really special. Um, and uh, and and so as much as we want to talk about all the other elements, I think the emotional control that we displayed as a team that Mikel Arteta displayed from the sidelines, all of it, I think it was so, so impressive. It really, really was. Um I watched the game on Sky Sports, like many of you, I'm sure, and uh, Paul Merson uh, was in the studio. And listen, I love Paul Merson for everything he did for Arsenal Football Club. Have I, in the past, rated him as one of the best pundits? Probably not. You know, he says a lot of stuff I disagree with. That's not a slight on the man, on the character, but there are a lot of pundits with whom I don't often agree. There are a lot of pundits whom I think, actually, a lot of the time offer quite simplistic analysis. And you know that's that's fine, that's fair. But when Paul Merson turns up, um, and he's as bullish as he was from the off in the studio before the game, you know you got a good team, you know you got a good chance of winning the game. And I will go as far as saying this: that was a ten out of ten performance from Paul Merson in terms of punditry, as far as punditry goes, because he literally, when the teams came out, called it exactly as it went. He spoke about Spurs's lack of real midfield steel and the fact that with two in there, they were probably going to have difficulty dealing with Xhaka, Partey and Odegaard. He spoke about, um, you know, Odegaard's ability to get in between the lines and the problems that that would cause Spurs. He said that there was only one winner. He said that he expected nothing less than an Arsenal victory. And I remember kind of sitting there thinking, "Mm, Paul, calm it down a little bit, rein it in. And I actually turned around to my dad and I said, I wish I was as confident. As Paul Merson going into this game. But do you know why we're so nervous? Do you know why we feel like that, even though our team is performing to an incredible level at the moment? It's because we want it so much. It's because we care so much. And, you know, we've got a long, long way to go. And, you know, nothing's decided after 18 games. I know that. Not even Champions League qualification is is decided for Arsenal. This season, there is so much more work to be done. So I'm not getting ahead of myself. I'm not getting carried away, but my God, I'm enjoying the ride. And why shouldn't I be? You know, for me, I remember winning the league in the 97 98 season. I remember it in 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, all the FA Cups in between. But never have I been as close to my team as I am now. I feel like Mikel Arteta has given me my club back. Um, You know, I'm very privileged to cover the club professionally now. And that, you know, for me, makes me feel closer to it and makes me feel, uh, you know, more invested than perhaps I've ever been in my entire life. So this would be special if we could go on and achieve the unthinkable. This would be really, really special. Going into the Man United game next week, and, and we'll talk about this more during the week, of course, You know, you feel now that there isn't that major pressure to go out and beat them. You know, a point would be sufficient. If you'd have asked me before this game, I'd have told you that I wanted four points from Spurs and Man United. It doesn't really matter which way they come um, as long as you get them. So that would be something I'd be very content with. If we get more happy days, if we get slightly less, okay, it's not the end of the world. This Arsenal team are where they are today because they are performing at an incredibly high level. It's not because the league around us is shit. I don't know why people even suggest that. This is a team, as I mentioned right at the top, who've taken 32 points in the toughest league in the world from the last 36 available. That is some going. That is unbelievable. That is unbelievable in terms of the progress that we've made in such a short space of time. Um, so we've praised Paul Merson's punditry and the fact that he got it all spot on. But we've got to talk about uh, Martin Odegaard in particular. What a stunning performance from him. Um, You can go over to the Another Slice platform. The information is in the description below. Uh, If you go uh, to that link, you can sign up on the Another Slice platform. Uh, You can then uh, log in and subscribe to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Once you've done that, you'll have access to all our premium content, which includes player ratings uh, around about an hour after the full-time whistle from every single Arsenal game. And you can find today's player ratings there where i go into my ratings for odegaard ramsdale uh gabriel everybody uh on the day uh, and also if you want to um take the rss feed and plug it into whichever podcast app it is that you listen to your podcast from you can do that as well uh, is a new feature i've been told and i know a lot of people have been asking about that so I'm glad to say that you can do that now but yeah check it out another slice dot com. The details are in the description. You'll be supporting me, the podcast and the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, whom we're donating to from our membership pot. Um, but yeah, I mean, Martin Odegaard, I I think about sort of his journey since he came to Arsenal, right? He, he obviously was at Real Madrid, uh, young lad, signed by them for 60, uh, sorry, at the age of 16. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about where he could go, you know, how high his level could eventually be. And it didn't really work out at Real Madrid. He went on a couple of loans and and he was okay on those loan spells. You know, he he showed a high level at Real Sociedad in particular, sort of the last loan spell. And then of course, along come Arsenal, take him on loan from Real Madrid, see enough internally to decide that this guy is, is the right one for us, bring him into the club, worked incredibly hard to do that. And now when you look back on it, 35 million pounds for Martin Odegaard is a steal. And here he is dominating games in the Premier League. Here he is pulling strings in the Premier League. Here he is wearing the Arsenal captain's armband, putting in a performance uh, of a skipper and scoring a brilliant goal and really contributing to Arsenal taking all three points. I mean, wow. Um, That goal that Martin Odegaard scored was, was sublime. And a lot of the time when I have criticised Martin Odegaard, and it hasn't been very often, but when I have, it's been, why don't you take a shot? Why don't you believe in your ability a little bit more? Why don't you just take the game by the scruff of the neck? Why don't you just, you know, believe in yourself that little bit more? Because the ability is there. The technical quality is always has always been there. We can all see that. We've always been able to see that. And the way he struck that ball, I mean, the, the counter-attack in general was superb, but the way he sort of... He hangs back, he lets the forward line attack and then he kind of pops up in between the lines, doesn't he? Arrives where he arrives. It's it's difficult to pick him up in those areas. Harry Atkinson in the chat says, Odegaard very much reminds me of young Cesc Fabregas. That goal he scored reminded me of that goal that Ses Fabregas scored away at Milan, if anybody remembers that. That's going back a long way, but sort of quite a, while, quite a way out. Not the most venomous strike, like it wasn't like a net buster. But it, it was perfectly placed. It was low, difficult for the keeper to get down to. And that's the second goal. And, and that's the game killed. And, um, you know, when you think about what he's been, what he's brought to the table and and how good he's been this season and the levels he's reached and the consistency with which he performs to that level, you got to say that this was an Arsenal masterstroke. And This is just one example of why when Arsenal decide not to pay over the odds for certain players or when Arsenal decide that targets that maybe the fan base think are the right ones, but maybe in Arsenal's eyes, they're not. We kind of just have to back off a little bit and and let them be and let them do their job. They've got us this far. You know, they've got us into a position that nobody thought we were even capable of. And here we are, um, you know, pushing forward. Here we are. Uh, sort of having turned some players that people maybe had question marks about. Aaron Ramsdale, another one, and we're turning them into top top players, and and that should be commended and that should be celebrated. And Martin Odegaard is a great example of that. But outside of the goal, his all round performance, his touches, his ability to turn on a sixpence, his footwork in and around the penalty area, his work rate off the ball, he is a joy to behold, and I'm I'm buzzing um, with him at the moment, and I love uh, love. Uh, seeing him uh, continue to perform at this level and and continuing to lead this team forward. Saeed Abdullah says, Good evening, Harry. What do you think of Nketiah's impressive development in the past months? No one expected that. I said to you guys, if you remember sort of when the Jesus injury news came out, do you remember when we were talking about the friendlies in Dubai? One of the things I said was that actually what I quite liked was that it was obvious to me that work was being done to try and get Eddie and Ketia to bring some more of the things that Gabriel Jesus brings to the table, i.e. being able to receive the ball in pressured situations, being able to receive the ball and almost lure in two or three opposition players and be able to hold on to it long enough to create space for others and then pop it off left and right. The ability to bring the ball down in tight spaces and carry it and win us yards and win us yardage, if you want to call it that, That is something that Eddie Nketiah has hugely, hugely improved on. Now, can you be super critical of him today and say he probably could have scored? He had a good opportunity in the first half where uh, the ball sort of came over the top of the defender and he read it first. He changed direction quickly, but on his left foot, running away from the goal, it was difficult with Lloris smothering it. Then there was that one in the second half. Again, I'd argue that the pass to him, although maybe it needed to be slightly lofted from Granit Xhaka to get through to him you know, it was still a difficult opportunity and a difficult chance. But I mean, look, people were were worried about him coming in and people were scared about, you know, the potential drop-off. And I'm not saying that, you know, he's going to be able to maintain this level even until Jesus returns. But right now, he's been brilliant. Right now, he is performing um, to an extremely high level. And right now, he deserves a hell of a lot of praise. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of Eddie and, and, and what he's doing at the moment. Um, taking it on to another outstanding player, we got to talk Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, we have to, because he was, again, uh, superb. Um, you know, made a, a number of really, really important saves. When Arsenal went through some difficult periods in the game, now, nobody is naive enough, I'd like to think, and stupid enough to think that Arsenal were going to go to White Hart Lane, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, whatever the bloody hell it's called nowadays, and be completely in control from minute one to minute 90. Nobody thought that there weren't ever going to be any rough patches that we had to ride through. The storms were always coming. The question was, could we ride out the storms and could we limit the number of storms? And we were able to do that. I think we really suffered um, right at the end of the first half. We we started to allow Spurs to get back into the game. When I say the end of the first half, I'm talking the last 5-10 minutes Outside of that, we were sublime. And then I think we suffered a little bit in the first 15 minutes of the second half. And then there was a few tiny little patches sort of outside of that. But, you know, you need your goalkeeper to contribute. You need your goalkeeper to to make saves. And even if they're routine saves, they're still saves and they're still a contribution. And I thought Aaron Ramsdale made not just routine saves, but some really good stops as well. I really like the save he made with his leg. Um, as the shot came in from Spurs' left-hand side. I'm trying to think who it was that hit it, but he sort of sticks out a left leg and makes a really smart save. And um, yeah, I think I read during the match that it came up on the Sky Sports screen. I don't sit and read things during the match, but uh, it came up and it said um, it said something like the XG against him was like two point something goals. And, you know, he'd made seven saves at that point out of seven uh, efforts at goal. Uh, seven efforts on target, that was. Yeah, I mean, he he just performed to an incredibly high level and, you know, his distribution was good. You know, he didn't take as many stupid risks as he has done uh, in some games, um, you know, which made me feel much more comfortable. He um, gave the Spurs fans a little bit as well, which is part and parcel of football. I mean, we'll quickly touch on that incident that occurred at the end of the game. Ugly, ugly scenes but I've seen the replays back of what Aaron Ramsdale did. And what does he do? You know, he's he's getting some from the Spurs fans behind the goal. He turns around. He celebrates the fact that, um, you know, his team have just won. He points to the Arsenal badge, blah, blah, blah. It's nothing out of the ordinary. He didn't overstep any line, in my opinion. Goes over to get his water bottle and some absolute moron decides to try and get on and gives him a kick. I mean, says it all then it it says it all um about spurs you know uh, listen every club has idiots right every club has bad and every club has good but i always feel like when i go to spurs that there is an edge to that to that particular trip that is beyond what's acceptable now i know it's a derby and you want that intimidation to a degree i always feel that over the years when i've been to spurs there's a line And they always seem to cross it. And that's not all of them. You know, I know lots of Spurs fans. I've got friends that are Spurs fans. I've got family that are Spurs fans. That's what happens when you live in North London. And that's absolutely fine. The majority of them are just like us. They like football. They like their team. They back their team. They support their team. Do they get angry? Yes, they do. Do they overstep the mark sometimes? Yes, they do. Don't we all? But that, what we saw there was disgusting. And I can't believe there are Spurs fans out there trying to, justify that idiot's behavior by saying, oh yeah, well, Aaron Ramsdale was out of order. What Aaron Ramsdale did was was poor and, and that it lacked class. Some people don't like that shit and that's fine. You don't have to like it, but to try and justify the actions of that idiot to me is almost as bad as committing the offense yourself. You're an idiot if you think that it's okay for a fan to do what that fan did, which is essentially run out of the stand, step Basically, onto the pitch and kick the back of a goalkeeper. That's disgusting, and there's no defending uh, of that guy's actions. And Richarlison as well inciting the situation by running over. Um, Got to take this super chat from Beside, who says, "How is Richard Keys trying to blame Arteta for Ramsdale getting kicked?" Now, for those of you that maybe haven't seen it yet, I'm sure you will see it because it will certainly go viral on social media. I thought about sharing it, but I don't want to give him the satisfaction. I don't want to give him the airtime if that makes sense. But Richard Keys on being sports, how he's even got a job there, I don't know. I'm sure you'll see it. Has been a real critic, hasn't he, of Arsenal and Arteta and some of their conduct and behaviour of late. Well, Richard Keys basically says that actually the reason for that kind of behaviour going on, the reason for the insightful behaviour, I think, is the way he put it, um, you know, going on, and then that in turn inciting the crowd is because of Mikel Arteta and the way he operates on the sidelines. Richard Keyes, get the hell back in your box. No one cares about what you've got to say. You're irrelevant. Nobody honestly cares about your opinion. You've gone away. You've gone to another part in the world. You know, they've decided to welcome you with open arms. Let them listen to your tripe. We don't need to listen to it here. Um, and, and, you know, he he continues to to poke the bear. He continues to try and stay relevant essentially by talking about Arsenal. Maybe I'm wrong for even bringing it up, but at the end of the day, you know, bullshit needs to be called out as bullshit. And that is unfortunately what uh, Richard Keyes seems to feel is necessary in order to keep his career alive. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's Richard Keyes. And that's another story for another day. Uh, thank you for your super chat. Dissident says, Is Conte on your list for the sack race? Honestly, I think Antonio Conte probably wants the sack. I've said this for a little while. I wouldn't be surprised if Antonio Conte has down tools at Tottenham Hotspur. All he does is complain about what he has at his disposal. All he does is complain about, um, you know, his team, his squad. I haven't seen his post-match stuff uh, just yet, so I can't really comment on what he said tonight. But the noises he's made in general over the past few months have been nothing but negative. So, um, yeah, you know, he's he's up there and, you know, I'm sure he'd be quite, Content with that outcome because of the payout he'll get, which is a sad state of affairs, really. Um, When you think about, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, where where Spurs have—I don't want to say where Spurs have fallen to, because they're still in the race for the top four, right? But I just think Spurs right now are so uninspiring that if I were a Spurs fan, I'd be really upset, and I'd be looking at it and I'd feel a bit like I felt towards the end of Unai Emery's time at Arsenal, where I couldn't really see where the club was going. I couldn't really make sense of what the manager was doing. I thought his lineup today was wrong. I thought his substitutions were wrong. And I think that, you know, Spurs fans probably have every right to be looking at that situation and thinking, you know, maybe this isn't going anymore and maybe this is something that we need to um, we need to put an end to and we need to move on. The problem with Spurs, and, and this is not a Spurs podcast, so we don't want to go on about this for ages, but the problem with Spurs the way I see it is that, They have put off rebuilding ever since Maurizio Pochettino left. After that Champions League final, that was it. That was the end of the cycle. They needed to rebuild in the way that we have. And it takes a bit of time, but they didn't want to do that. They wanted Jose Mourinho. They wanted Antonio Conte. They wanted to go down that route of experienced managers. But these managers, yes, they've won things in the past, but they always leave a trail of destruction behind them. And they don't fit into the philosophy of a club that I believe probably only wants to invest. If they believe that investment is good for the long term. And so you get that standoff then, don't you? Where they kind of half-ass back him, but don't do it all the way. And then you end up with a a horrible uh, mix of, you know, one manager's players, the previous manager's players, people that the club think are right for the club, but the manager doesn't, i.e. Jed Spence. They spent all that money on him in the summer and he doesn't get a look in. How could he be worse than Matt Doherty? How can Perisic not play ahead of Sessegnon? But anyway, who cares? They lost. We'll take it. Um, what else have we got? What else have we got on the agenda? We've talked Ramsdale. We've talked about the incident. Um, interestingly, after the game, Mikel Arteta was asked about the Mikhailo Mudrik situation. And uh, and he said, look, and I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said something to the effect of, look, well, we want to improve the team. We want to improve the squad where we can, but we've got to be realistic you know we can only do the deals that we can do and the more I hear about the terms upon which Chelsea have landed Mikhailo Mudrik the more I think this is absolutely ridiculous and perhaps we dodged a bullet and this is not me just saying this now I said it yesterday when we talked about Mudrik you guys all know I've said to you throughout the duration of this window that a hundred million euros is too much for Mikhailo Mudrik and it's too great a risk given the very little. Sample size we have when it comes to judging him. It's too much. It's too much of a gamble. And on top of that, on top of taking that gamble, Chelsea have gone and given the guy an eight year contract. We heard yesterday that it was seven years. And I said to you then that I thought that was stark raving mad. Eight years, eight and a half years. Jesus Christ almighty. That is mad. That is absolute madness. Okay, Um, as I said, if you want full player ratings on the North London Derby and explanations for those player ratings, you can check them out on the Another Slice platform. The link is in the description below. Check it out, sign up, support the podcast and you'll get access to our premium content, the next piece of which is dropping on Tuesday. So plenty more to come your way. But let's run through the team just quickly and talk about those performances. I've talked about Ramsdale, so we'll skip that. Ben White, how was Ben White today? As consistent as ever defensively solid, defensively brilliant. Um, Maybe not as adventurous, I didn't think, uh, today as he has been in recent times, but maybe that was part of the plan. And I thought he, he, you know, really helped uh, William Saliba through the game. I thought was pretty good as well today. Not outstanding William Saliba in terms of really grabbing the headlines, but a really solid central defensive performance. And sometimes that's just as good. If I'm not talking about him, it means that we defended well. And it means that He played a part in that. Gabriel, fantastic as well, alongside him. Probably the standout player in the back four uh, throughout the duration of the game. I thought Zinchenko in the first half was immense, but maybe dropped off a little bit in the second period. Maybe struggled a little bit with Dejan Kulusevsky uh, on that side. I always look at Zinchenko and I I try, you know, we did a piece on him for our premium uh, members, which is available to you guys now, where we compared him to Tierney. And we talked about, you know, who's the better defender. And um, the kind of conclusion that I came to was that actually statistically Zinchenko, is, which is weird, right? If you listen to that episode, you'll understand all the statistics and that will probably make a lot more sense to you. But I think a lot of the times Zinchenko, when he gets exposed defensively, it's not personally, it's tactically. Does that make sense? He's being asked to step into midfield and then that creates a hole on that side, that when opponents manage to work the ball into, it just takes us a bit of time to readjust our shape. It just takes us a little bit of time to shuffle the back line across and then for Gabriel to eventually go out there. And so you constantly look at that and think that Zinchenko is exposed, but tactically, that's a risk that Mikel is clearly willing to take in sort of exchange for the reward that comes with that. And that is being able to overload midfields, being able to dictate tempo, being able to control possession, being able to break lines and play forward passes. And that's the real difference with Arsenal this season. It's forward pass after forward pass after forward pass. There isn't any of this sideways shit without real progress. There is so much um, progression in the way we try and play football. And we always try to do it at the earliest opportunities. So, yeah, I mean, but in that first half, the the composure Zinchenko showed. Maybe a little bit of complacency on one or two occasions throughout the 90 minutes. But overall, just the composure uh, is unbelievable. Thomas Partey in midfield, I thought was excellent. Again, you know, maybe gave the ball away a couple of times in the first half, if I'm being ultra critical. But outside of that, unbelievable. And desperately, desperately unlucky not to have scored Arsenal's second when he smashed that volley onto the post. That looked like it was goal-bound from the minute it left his shin. I think it might have been his shin if you watch it back. But anyway, stunning effort from from Thomas Partey. Uh, desperately unlucky. Xhaka, solid again, continues to perform uh, at this uh, this really high level. And he, he's doing it so consistently this season that, you know, he's one of the most important players. Odegaard, we've waxed lyrical about him already. Saka was great in the first half. Again, maybe dropped off a little bit in the second half like some other players. Again, does that naturally happen when you're two goals to the good? Maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I thought he was, um, I thought he was, it was good for for large periods. And, you know, just him being there is a problem for opponents, isn't it? It seems to strike fear in them. He's built up that reputation now for Kiyosaka. And I think his England exploits have really helped with that in terms of changing the perception of him. And, um, and, and teams want to double up on him and teams don't want to bomb fullbacks forward from fear of leaving him unmarked. Martinelli on the other side, not his best game today. He was probably the one Arsenal player that I came away from today thinking, you weren't bad, but I know you can offer a lot more. You know, I know that you can do more. I know that you can bring more to the table. I guess, though, for me, you've got to think about Tottenham as well and and the way that Tottenham sort of moved to deal with him. They obviously had Doherty on the right-hand side who, was tasked with sort of trying to keep tabs on him. But then of course, Romero, who was arguably Spurs best defender, but, and is arguably Spurs. No, is not, it's not arguable is Spurs best defender. Probably shouldn't have been on the pitch though for the entire 90 minutes. He was very, very lucky, uh, not to get booked earlier than he did. And then once he was booked, he was really lucky to get away with that foul on Granit Xhaka. I just wonder if the officials missed that. If the, uh, on-field referee missed that, who, by the way, I thought had a decent game today. I've got to be honest, apart from the Romero thing, which I think I thought he got wrong, because as I say, I do feel like uh, Romero was extremely fortunate to remain on the pitch for for the entire game. But I thought he he dealt with a derby and and what a derby could possibly be quite well. Uh, If you go back to the Newcastle game, we talked post-match, didn't we? And I spoke about the referee and I said, one of the things that let the referee down was that he was too quick to pull out his cards. And then what it what happened was the football became a sideshow. And then all the focus was on people trying to get each other booked, you know, whether it was the managers trying to influence it from the side. And I'm talking about both sides, whether it was the crowd, whether it was individuals on the pitch trying to get their sort of opponents booked. It all just became a bit of a circus and a bit of a, a joke. And, and that disrupted the flow and rhythm of the game. And that, in the end, worked in Newcastle's favour. I thought the referee today did a really good job of not getting sucked into that too early. He he dished out cards when he needed to. Probably should have dished out a red card to Romero, as I say, a second yellow. Uh, but at the same time, I'm being critical of him on that one particular instance. But generally speaking, I thought he did really, really well. And, um, and you know, I'll be honest when when referees perform well. You know, I've I've got no problem giving them their dues when they deserve it. But when they're poor, I think that needs calling out as well. Uh taking it on, Eddie and I mean, we spoke about him already briefly, but the improvement, unbelievable. Um, so delighted for him that he's, you know, filled the boots of, of Gabriel Jesus and up until this point has done a really good job. I know he'll he'll be disappointed in himself that he couldn't score. He'll he'll look at those chances and feel he probably could have done better. But you know what? Don't dwell on it. You know, don't get caught up on it. Everybody misses chances. Gabriel Jesus isn't exactly clinical in front of goal. Um, you know, we we take it and um, and we move on. And Eddie needs to do that as well. And instead of focusing on that, he needs to focus on the good things that he did today, which of which there were plenty. So, And I'm sure Arsenal will highlight that to him. I'm sure Mikel Arteta uh, will highlight that to him as well. Uh, Trini Gunas says, is this live? Yep, live and kicking on the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel. Um, Right. Let me uh, get some likes on the board. Where are we at? We got nearly 700 of you with us right now. Only 197 likes on the board. There's no reason why we shouldn't have at least 350. So please do uh, leave the like button. Please do subscribe to the channel if you're new. Please do subscribe on the Another Slice platform uh, if you want access to additional content. And please do leave us a review if you're listening on a podcast platform. Let's take some questions. Let's take some thoughts for the last sort of 10 minutes of the show. I'd love to hear from you guys um, just to summarize my thoughts on the game while you guys get those questions into the chat box. We're eight points clear. We've just gone and won away at Spurs. We've taken 32 points from the last 36 available. But what's more impressive than that is the character and the ball's that Arsenal showed today. The fact that Arsenal went there and didn't fear them and didn't suffer from a mental block caused by the trauma, if you want to call it that of last season. The Arsenal went there believing in themselves. Arsenal went there knowing full well that they were the better team. And Arsenal were brave enough to go out there, play their game, impose themselves, and essentially capitalize, as I said right at the top, on the insecurities and the low self-esteem that Spurs currently have as a football team. They were shitting bricks in the first half. Every pass was backwards. We were putting them under pressure. They were playing the ball back to Hugo Lloris, who didn't know what to do. He didn't know what he was doing. Um, He was forced to go long and and give up possession. When he tried to play it out, it was a mess. Spurs were were shaken from the off. And that comes from Arsenal going there, um, you know, being strong, being dominant, being confident in their own ability. You don't show cracks, your opponent starts to think that you don't have them and if you don't have them then what chance does your opponent have of winning and when someone's confidence as i said is already fragile if you go and do your your bit and you go and impose yourself you know you you only what's the word amplify those concerns that they might have in their own minds to the point where in terms of you know sporting competition you've got a huge 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 advantage um, this is says, before you go, what restaurant have you booked for the St. Totteringham's Day dinner? I haven't thought about that yet, but we, uh, I'm sure that's imminent. It's not too far away, is it? We've done the double over them. We're flying in the league. Spurs falling behind 14 points clear now of them. And have we got a game in hand as well? I believe we do. So, um, yeah, you know, hopefully that day is not too far away. Okay. Let's take some more of your thoughts and some more of your questions from the live chat box. Um not really um North London derby related, but I've been asked this question quite a bit. So I want to kind of tackle this one. Uh Trini Guna says, I'm thinking that Trossar might be a good addition for squad depth. Any thoughts, Harry? Can we keep playing the same 13 for the next 19 or so games plus Europe? Listen, I, I like Leandro Trossar as a player. He's, he's been impressive of late, but what's going on with him at the moment and sort of the stories that are coming out of Brighton with regards to him are are an off-put for me. You know, that's how I feel about it. We've worked so hard to get so many of those types of characters, the bad apples out of our group. I don't really want to risk bringing in another one, if I'm honest. I know we need reinforcements, but bringing in the wrong players could be as damaging as not having uh, as many players as maybe some people feel we need. So, I'm not massive on that, Um, not massive on that. Uh, Aris joins us uh, from Greece. He says, do you think that we dropped down our level quite early today? Um, I don't know that you can say it's all down to Arsenal dropping their level. I've said this sort of throughout the show. I made this point in the build up to the game that, you know, you you don't go to places like Spurs, especially in a derby, and have it all your way from, from the first minute to the end you will have difficult periods. And I think naturally there's a part of you that does become that little bit more cautious when you're two goals to the good. And that's absolutely fine, as long as you find the right balance. I thought at the start of the second half, we we weren't finding that right balance. We maybe dropped off a little bit too much and we kind of abandoned, you know, the game that we'd been playing in the first period that put us in such a strong position and put us essentially uh, where we were, two goals to the good. But You know, we got through it. We didn't concede a goal, thanks to Aaron Ramsdale and some good defending at times from various others. I don't know that the level dropped. I don't know that you can look at it and say Arsenal's level massively dropped. I think Spurs' level increased at the start of the second period. And that's a factor too. But I just think you're going to go through these periods in football matches. This is the Premier League. This is how it goes. You know, every team is capable of hurting you and you won't always have it your own way. So I don't want to be too critical of that. But I know what you mean. There were periods where it was a lot less comfortable, and you were nervous, and you were fearing Spurs pulling a goal back, and then the knock-on impact that that has on the atmosphere, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, let's see what else we've got. I'm just picking questions at random, so um, if I miss some, I do apologise. Don't take it personally. Stephen Foot says, Harry, if we can win next week, can we really believe it's coming home? A lot of my friends and a lot of my colleagues keep asking me, "Come on, Harry, you know, wh- when are you going to believe? When are you going to start to admit?" or or start to say that Arsenal are in with a real chance? When are you going to start to, you know, accept or open your mind to the possibility of the Gunners winning the Premier League title? And I always say this, I've been saying this for months, ask me after we play Spurs and Man United. Ask me after that and I'll give you an answer. But there's reason to believe. There absolutely is reason to believe. But believing something and achieving something are two different things. Or believing you can and then going on and doing it are two different things. So I'm still keeping my feet on the ground. But when you see performances like that away against your fiercest rivals, who are also in contention for Champions League qualification, by the way, they're not relegation fodder as much as I'd love that to be the case. When you can go there and you can play the way we did today, you've got to take confidence and you've got to have belief. Sooty FM says, what do you think of Tottenham? S-H-I-T. It's a family show. Am I allowed to? Shit. I've said how many things on this show? What am I talking about? Uh, just in the last 45 minutes alone. can't believe I actually stopped and thought about it. Uh, Alex says, hello from Kentucky, Harry. Love the show. Do you know what, Alex? I'm not joking. I've obviously been mad busy today. Been at the game, whatever. Uh, been at the women's game. Then obviously watched the Arsenal game. Didn't Done lots of work since the end of the game. Between then and now, we did our premium content. I did some other bits and pieces for some other media outlets. Got a stacked day tomorrow. Um, sort of reflecting on the derby, which is always nice after a win. But I swear to God, I was thinking, look, like what am I going to eat tonight? And um, you know, my wife cooks. Well, yeah, my wife cooks. I'm thinking, you know, sometimes like you, you, you want to celebrate something, but you don't feel like the meal you have as as nice as it is because uh, her food's always lovely. I'm not knocking her, but you feel like you want to celebrate by getting something a little bit you know, out of the ordinary, something, you know, you want to treat yourself, don't you? I swear to God, Alex, an hour ago, I was considering ordering Kentucky fried chicken. And then Alex pops up in the chat from Kentucky. Uh, If that's not a sign from God, I don't know what is. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I might take that up. Uh, What else have we got? Um, Willow Mo Fire says, uh, with Man United's form currently on fire, how should we approach them at home? Much of the same, mate. Much of the same. Um, You know, we've got to be, we've got to believe in our, um, we've got to believe in our own ability. We've got to believe in our own game, in our own style. And I think when you play at home, there's probably more pressure to make sure that you don't necessarily abandon that. What I would say is, is that given their current form, Manchester United on the counter-attack are much, much more of a threat than Spurs. You know, they're not going to have a Harry Kane who runs like he's running in the, you know, In a swamp, well, you could argue Tottenham is a bit like the stadium is a bit of a swamp. Um, I don't know, but, you know, Rashford's got that pace. They've got the likes of Anthony Martial if he plays. Not sure exactly how they're going to line up next week, but I just think we can play our game and, and we want to impose our game and we want to really, you know, put them to the sword. But at the same time, we've got to be a lot more wary of their threat on the break because they really do. Uh, look good in that sense at the moment. They're a good side Manchester United. But what I would say about them is I thought they were dead and buried, Um, you know, yesterday when City scored, City were well on top in that second half. And then United get gifted a goal by the officials, in my opinion, which, you know, I think completely changed it. Then they score another goal with the momentum and all of a sudden that's it. Um, But yeah, massive. Uh, What else have we got in the chat box? Just going to take a, couple more uh before I bid you all a farewell um what have we got what have we got lots of you warning me not to dig myself in a hole commenting on my wife's cooking um on a live show you you're right you're absolutely right thankfully she doesn't give a shit about football and will not watch this and and doesn't really care and and often asks me what my job is. I don't even think she knows what my job is, to be honest with you. Uh, Brendan McAdam says, Harry, been a listener for a few years now. Love your content. Thank you so much, mate. He says, how good has the Granite Jacker redemption been? I know he wasn't the star tonight, but he's been the most underrated midfielder in the Premier League this past 18 months. I think you're absolutely spot on with that. I think you're absolutely spot on. Um, Theo says, Harry, have you ever had Swuvlagja? Obviously talking about takeaway options. I basically live off them, if I'm being honest with you, mate. Uh, some other really, really nice uh, comments as well that I'd highlighted throughout, um, throughout the show. So thank you to Robert, who says, Oi, oi, Harry lad, what a day at the swamp. North London is red and forever in our shadow. Uh, Jana says, I love this channel. I'd rather watch it than listen to Talk Sport. Cheers, mate, appreciate that. You can catch me on TalkSport too, though, tomorrow between 4 and 6 p.m. Uh, with Ade Depot. We'll be looking back at all the weekend's action, and I can't wait. Uh, for that I can't wait to basically go around gloating. I'm I'm going to be on CNN tomorrow as well. I don't know if that's the if that's different to what's broadcast in the states. I think it probably is. I think this is probably a European or UK edition of CNN, but I'll be at 90 min in the morning on the gas tank. You can join us there on the 90 min YouTube channel. Then I'm hopping over to CNN. And then I'm hopping over to TalkSport too. So a really, really busy day. Uh, Abdul says, hey, Harry, big fan of the podcast. Glad to make the live today. Keep up the good work and come on you, Gunners. Thank you so, so much, uh, my friend. Right. Um, leave a like. We wanted 300. I wanted three. Did I say 350? Yeah, I want 350. We're only on 260 at the moment, but there's uh, well over 600 of you with me now. So please leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel. If you are new, leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. I think I've just about covered the main topics anyway. Did I mention that Hugo Lloris is awful? Yeah, we all know that. But anyway, um, we are going to uh, leave it there and we'll be back tomorrow with some more Arsenal related content. We'll probably continue gloating. We'll probably break it down tactically uh, in a little bit more detail. I always like to do that after I've had an opportunity to watch the game back. So we will. Uh, I'm sure, uh, bring you that type of content tomorrow. um, Thank you all. Thanks again. Love you all. Have a great evening. And uh, up the Arsenal. Eight points clear. North London is red. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.